You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. This is Celebs with Horses, highlighting celebrities from film, TV, the arts, and music, and their love of horses. Hosted by award-winning author, Lisa Wysocki. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Celebs with Horses, and many thanks to today's title sponsor, Hands-On Gloves. I'm your host, Lisa Wysocki, and today's celebrity guest has so many accolades, I don't know where to start. We've all heard the song lyric, Bye Bye Miss American Pie, and our guest today, Don McLean, wrote that lyric and that song along with many, many other popular tunes. In fact, American Pie is so popular that it was selected as one of the five greatest songs of the 20th century. That just blows me away. One of the five greatest songs of the 20th century. Out of all the songs to choose from, this song was chosen from a poll by the National Endowment for the Arts and the Recording Industry Association of America. And get this, the other four songs were, you'll never guess, This Land is Your Land, Somewhere Over the Rainbow, Respect, and White Christmas. That, my friends, is some very good company. Internationally, the song is a hit as well. Recently, the South Korean president serenaded President Joe Biden at a White House dinner with an acoustic version of American Pie while he accompanied himself on guitar. Plus, American Pie has been inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame, and Don himself is also in the Songwriters Hall of Fame, and with good reason. American Pie, along with the songs And I Love You So, Vincent, and Castles in the Air are all Don McLean songs that have been played on the radio more than three million times. And artists as diverse as Madonna, Fred Astaire, Chet Atkins, Weird Al Yankovic, Elvis Presley, Josh Groban, Perry Como, and Coolio have performed his songs. That's why I was not surprised to learn that Don McLean was the first songwriter ever to have number one singles in two separate centuries. But he isn't just a songwriter. Mr. McLean is a world-renowned singer and entertainer who has influenced so many major artists. The legendary Johnny Cash wrote, I wish I could yodel after hearing Don sing Lovesick Blues in Cash's own house. And Garth Brooks introduced Don McLean as his idol to over 1 million New Yorkers at a 1997 concert in Central Park, and then they sang American Pie together. Despite all of that, the second coolest thing, I think, about Don McLean's talent is that his song, And I Love You So, was the theme for Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's wedding. The number one coolest thing, though, is that Don McLean is a true horseman who says he needs horses in his life to fulfill his soul. Don McLean never set out to be a horseman, but a love of Western movies and a chance sighting of a real-life cowboy changed the course of his life. I am a Western movie fan, and um, for many, many years, actually since I was you know, a baby, really, I grew up on them, I'm, I, I, I then started collecting Western films on 16 millimeter. And I had about 200 of those. And this was throughout the seventies. And, um, I really loved the early ones, the ones Buck Jones and Tim McCoy and Coot Gibson and, uh, Ken Maynard. And of course, Hopalong Cassidy. 
these are my favorites. And so as I moved along, one of the things with me is I'm never satisfied with just being a little ways into something. So <laughs> I decided one day, I, I remember I was at a ranch someplace. I was about 72 or three and a cowboy galloped by me on a horse. And I said, how the hell does he do that? You know, <laughs> so I, have to, I have to figure out how that works, you know? Well, that started a whole world of, uh, of investigation. And, uh, I was ready to get a horse. And uh, I got one, and I got a little Appaloosa pony that was actually a barrel horse. And I was not a rider now, and I'm on a, <laughs> I'm, I'm on a shotgun here, okay? This horse was something else. And he was close coupled, and he had every marking on him that an Appaloosa can have. You know, he had black face, and he had black stockings, and he had a beautiful... Uh, and his name was Papago Warrior, and he had a beautiful white blanket with, with peacock spots. And he had, oh, Lord, he was just a, and he was the proudest little guy. And he was only about 15 hands, but he always had to be the head of the parade. And he was just a proud animal. And he taught me a lot about horses, okay? So I built a big fenced area, you know, and started to fool with him. And, uh, I got bucked off and I got thrown off and I got bit and I got kicked and I got everything, but I was determined uh, to make him mine. When I asked how he liked to spend time with his horse, he mentioned trail riding, but also like some of the other celebrities we've spoken with, Don took time to study and learn about horses and horsemanship. There were trails that I didn't even know about. I'd been living in this house for five years and I had no idea that I was right by a whole series of trails that went up into the woods. I like to live in the woods and it actually connected to the Appalachian trail. So I started out, I was always on my own. I could have gotten killed so easily, but I would read and read and study about everything. And I got to know a lot about trail riding and Western gear and rigging a horse right and tr and getting the mind of a horse you know how they are and one of the things you learn is one of the best things that ever came out of this is patience you cannot bull a horse around you cannot muscle a horse because he wins every time but you've got to treat him like a you know be gentle and nice with him and every time he sees you coming along he's going to know he's going to have a good experience what people don't realize is they get on the horse they throw the saddle on and they bothers him. They jam the bit in his mouth and he doesn't like it. They get on clumsily. They spur him wrong. Oh, Lord. By the time that horse sees you the third or fourth time, you're not getting on him. As Don's experience and confidence grew, so did the kinds of activities he did with his horses. I got into a thing where I like to work with a horse. In fact, there's a, a movie called American Troubadour, which is all about my career and life and everything. It was on the Time Life has it out. Still, you can still get it. And I'm in the woods with these horses, and I, you know, rope logs and pull them off the trail, and I just spend the day with them, you know, and get on them and do more stuff. And that's the thing to do is use them and get friendly with them. And then, like a lot of us, Don found true companionship with his horses even after he got to an age where he felt it wasn't safe for him to ride anymore. 
Well, I'm not riding anymore, but I do keep three horses. Um, and I quit riding a few years ago because I was getting a little slow and a little old and I didn't want to get hurt. Smart. I've got a lot of things to do, but I love keeping them and I can't imagine not keeping them intuitively. And because I've had 30 years of trail riding experience and all by myself, I never got hurt, you know, and I would ride, I would jump, jump trees that were falling. I'd fly through the woods, you know. I have a lot of experience with these animals, and um, so I know them. By happenstance, Don's first horse turned out to be an Appaloosa, but he learned to love the breed, and he enjoyed learning about the history of these very colorful horses. Well, I don't like the fact that the Appaloosa Horse Club has allowed horses that are basically chestnut color to be called Appaloosas. I, I think they really messed up with that. There was always, you know... I think there were six coat, coat patterns um, that were, you know, that's how it had to be. And I'm just going to digress for a tiny moment. And um, there was a man named Claude, and I can't remember his last name. Jenkins, Claude Thompson. Or, Claude Thompson. Yeah. I used to show Appaloosa horses, by the way. Yeah. And, and he actually saved the Appaloosa breed by, because as people know, their history, um, the the Union Army was so annoyed at the Nez Pierce Indians for defeating them constantly, and, he, and they had these great horses, that when they got them under a flag of truce uh, to give up, they killed as many Appaloosa horses as they could. And some of them ran off and got up in those hills, and they bred with Mustangs. And this is where this guy, Claude Thompson, would see these things, and he had this eye, and he would go on a, a, you know, a safari, you know, to bring back some beautiful Appaloosa stud that he found and he would breed him. So, uh, you know, he, he saved the whole, the whole shebang. Anyway, I do like, uh, I love leopard spot horses. I love, um, I love them with, you know, they don't have that the graying gene. You have to watch out for that because they'll start off real good and then they'll just go to one color. So, but I do like a nice blanket you know, with spots on it. When asked about his favorite horse of all time, Don really just could not choose. He finally settled on two very different horses for two very different reasons. First two I had were the first, the favorite ones that I had. Um, the first one was Papago Warrior. He was this very loud uh, little horse. Uh, and I bought him from a lady named April Sell who lived in Stormville, New York. And the second one I got was a, a, a Polish Arab whose name was Siraz. And I brought him, bought him from the King family. And they were in, I think, Fishkill or someplace like that in New York. Those two were my favorites, and they were very different. And Siraz was this really beautiful person. I mean, and he really was. He he was slow to heat up, but when he heated up, he would not take no for an answer. And sometimes I'd have a friend, and we'd have those two horses in the woods. And, of course, my Appaloosa would, he just had to just let him go. I mean, he just exploded. And Siraz would keep up, and then he'd get a little warmer, and then, boom, he was right in with it, you know, and it would be quite something. But um, I had the, the lady that I bought him from was just going off to Vassar College. I'm talking about Siraz now. Mm -hmm. 
And years, years later, she wrote me a letter, said, do you have any pictures of our boy? You know, and I said, yes, I do. So I went in my files and I had, he lived to be almost 30. Uh, Papago did not live past, he lived to be 19. Uh, he started going downhill when he was probably about 17. So I had about, I had about seven years with him. And they were great, exciting years. Don has done so much in his life, I had to ask about some of his favorite life memories. And you know, his answer totally surprised me. Well, I got to say something, and not be, people aren't going to like this very much, but I have more good memories with the horses than I ever had with people. I think people on our show are going to love that. <laughs> I can tell you. <laughs> Uh, when I think of the good things and the fun things and the exciting things I did, it was always with them in the woods or, you know, getting the hay in or doing these things that made you feel good. And I was in good shape in those years back in New York. You know, I was loading the hay and shoveling out the stalls. I was always working, you know, and um, they were always with me. And uh, they were a huge part of my life, which is why I still have them. And I have them in Maine. I have I live on two coasts. I'm in California now in the desert, but every now and then I get the urge. I'll tell my girlfriend, you know, I got to have a horse, you know, I got to find one somewhere to go visit or to fool with or whatever, you know, and there's a really good place called the smoke tree ranch. That's here and uh, very famous. It goes way back. You know, people, movie stars used to ride there, but it's still in existence it's in Palm Springs. And while Don might like horses better than people, there were a few horse people he made exceptions for, especially when he began to upgrade his horse's living accommodations. Yeah, you know, I want to tell you, there was a lady in, in Maine, and one of the last horses I had was a, uh, he was a gray, and I called him Silver. And this lady spent the whole day with me. I hardly knew her. And she said, do you want to go around and look, look for a horse? And I said, yeah, I really do. Well, she knew about five different farms all in the area. And she drove me all over until I found this, this animal. And I had him for another 10 years and I had the best time with him. So it really extended into, you know, 20, 25 years of constant uh, riding and being involved because of this second horse that I found, uh, thanks to this woman uh, who did this for me. So and the other thing that's funny is when you get them and you love them, you start building things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you start building things. So it wasn't good enough for me to have them just be outside. You know, I had to build. So I didn't want to build just a shelter. So I ended up building a whole other structure, which had an apartment on the top and then a, a two stall place underneath. And I would record over there. I would have guests stay there instead of in my house so that, you know, I still had my freedom to be crazy. And uh, it worked out very well because next to me in Garrison was a very famous architect named Russell Wright. And it's a whole story about him. You can Google him. He's very famous. And he said to me, you know, always try to have another, you know, place for your studio or to put relatives or your friends, whatever, so that 
they're not, you know, in your house all the time. So I did that along with building this barn. Well, I mean, you'd be in there and you'd hear them clomping in and out of the stall. It was funny. <laughs> they were, you know, it was always there and it was just great. So it really added tremendous amount to the, uh, the house that I, that I had there because they got me to build things. It was really perfect. And as I say, I didn't know I was living in it. I'd been there five years already. All I was doing was going back and forth to LaGuardia Airport, which is the the pit of the Western world, you know. <laughs> and here I'm living in heaven. And now, a word from our amazing title sponsor, Hands-On Gloves. But stay with us, because we'll be right back with more from Don McLean. I love our hands-on gloves, especially because with them you can actually feel the horse as you groom. Really, they're absolutely amazing. Whether it's itchy bug bites, sticky sweat marks, caked on mud, or exuberant springtime shedding, hands-on gloves gives you the tactical tools you need to get the job done right. Hands-on gloves comes in pairs, so you'll get twice the work done in half the time. And since they are available in three different sizes, you get the gloves that work best for you. Plus, they come in a number of very cool colors. Hands-on gloves are available at major retailers nationwide or at handsongloves.com. And now, back to the show. Eventually, Don felt the need to pass along some of his horse knowledge and some of his good advice to others. Later, I moved out of that house, and I, I lived there for 20 years, and I kept it for another 10 years. And a very nice young lady uh, lived there, and I would talk to her once in a while. And she said, well, I'm going to get a horse. And I said, I'm you sure you want to do that? You know, and because, you know, well, she said the barn is here and this and that and the trails. And I said, I know all that, but are you really ready to own a horse? Because you have to know a lot and you could get hurt. Well, she did get hurt. You know, she, uh, a few months later, she got she broke her arm or something or other, and uh, I, I said I didn't want to say it, but you have got to know a lot of defensive mech moves that you you can make if a horse, you know, rears up or backs up and gets low, or there are a million things they can do. They they only they let you be on them. You know, you're not you're not in control. They they let you do what what you're doing, and if they don't want you on, believe me, you're not going to stay up. So, you know, I had this, I had this talent. I don't want to say that really, but I had a, a gift, I guess, for animals and being nice to them and working with them. And so they didn't take it out on me too much. When I asked, in addition to patience, what horses had taught him, Don said horses had given him the gift of learning, that every time he was around other horse people, he made a point to learn as much as he could from each of them. Well, I had a friend who got killed in a motorcycle accident, and that's part of the reason why I stopped riding about 10 years ago. And he was a mass, he was a real Western horseman. And he was into reining and... Um, all this stuff. He was tremendous. And he was my farrier and we would go on trips together. And usually I'm the boss, you know, but this, he was the boss. Whenever I was with him, I would just listen. And he would tell me things these horses could do. He says, you know, you can, horses will back up by what you, how you use your feet. You know, he's explaining. And, and then I began to 
realize I've got lots of videos. You know, I studied them. And just the slightest change in your uh, position on the horse, they know it and they respond to it. It's amazing, really. Horses built the world and they, all the great buildings, you know, that we see that are made of stone and a hundred years ago, that's horsepower that did that. There were no cars. Horses did everything. Um, and they have the ability to understand enough about, you know, people and do things for them so that they've managed to survive rather than being pushed to the point of extinction. And uh, lucky for them, because we pretty much kill everything else. (laughs) But um, I, I really never, ever got even close the level of horsemanship that he was talking about or that I would see on some of these videos. I was, I was a one horse guy, you know, and I may be a two horse guy and I, uh, I knew how to correct them and I knew how to keep them, you know, being good. You don't fool with any old horse, you know, you got to really know what you're doing. And, uh, you know, most of these, uh, stable horses that are broke to death, that's a good place to start if you want to ride. In getting ready for these shows, I always do a lot of research, and I try to find out everything I can about the celebrity. And this time I learned that Don is an avid collector of Western boots, and I loved his stories about finding some of them. I do have a lot of Lucchese's I wear because they're a little wider but I have some that are so beautiful that I had made for me in the seventies and some I auctioned, but not my favorites. You know, I kept mm-hmm. all the favorites. So I've got a lot, I've got we get about 30 pair up in Maine and another 25 pair out here in California. So I still have over 50 pairs of boots. Um, but I would I'm really fascinated by that. I, I I knew the, the bootmaker, Paul Bond, who was in Nogales, Arizona, and uh, he made me a, a quite a few pair of beautiful boots. And before that, I, I knew the man that owned the Griffiths Blucher Boot Company, which was in Fairfax, Oklahoma. And the kind of nut that I am, I was on tour, this is probably 1980, and I it was a big bus tour because I had a number one record with crying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were, we were doing, you know, a, a little more work than I would normally do. Of course, it was a big surprise, you know, to have that kind of a record. But here I was in this bus tour. So I said, I want to take the bus over to Dewey, Oklahoma, and see the Tom Mix Museum. So we had to <laughs> go 75 miles out of the way to go to Dewey, Oklahoma. And then we went past Fairfax and then I revisited the um, Griffith Blucher boot store. And at the time, Garth Hudson, who used, who's plays in the band was my piano player. And he bought himself a nice pair of boots at Griffith Blucher. And so did I. And the nice thing about that bus was I could throw all kinds of books and pictures and things in there and bring them home at the end of the tour. Don's story about his side trip on his bus reminded me that he is, after all, a pretty major singer-songwriter. So I asked if horses had influenced his songwriting in any way, and holy cow, his answer made me cry. 
I wrote a song called The More You Pay, The More It's Worth, which is a nice song about a boy and a horse, and that's uh, on the Don McLean album. That's the gray-covered one. It's the third album I put out. And it's the story of a horse. Well, if you, you have to hear the song, but it's like almost likening him to... Um, an exotic dancer who who comes out and is gawked by all these buyers, you know, and, and the poor horse is no longer with its boy, little boy that had him and loved him. And so at the end of the song, it says, where was the boy that rode on your back with his arms holding tight around your neck? And, Oh, you've got me, you've got me crying here. (laughs) I think, I think that way, you know, when I, I see these animals, I think, my God, you know, they were loved once, and here they are in some, you know, they've had to be... Now, some people, I had a friend, he's not my friend anymore, partly because of things like this, he would say, we started riding kind of together, you know, and he found this beautiful, beautiful deal. He got this beautiful Palomino and came with a lovely, really great saddle and bridle, the whole bit. He said, well, I paid $500 for him, and uh, when he gets really old, I can just sell him, bring him to the you know, the Packers, and I can get 1000 bucks for him. I thought to myself, I don't even want to know you anymore. You know, that was it for me and him. While Don has told us of many of the things he loves about horses, it seems that as he has gotten older, he has come to better appreciate the non-riding aspects of horse ownership. One of the nice things that reflects back your own personal health is is conditioning a horse you know and seeing him go from maybe you get him and he's you know i think the lady that sold me siraz said that she saw him tied to a tree he was skin and bones and she recognized because she was a serious horse person that this was a polish arab and she bought him and to get him away from this person that was you know not feeding him and she started feeding him and conditioning him, and he became this beautiful uh, jumper who won ribbon after ribbon after ribbon. I mean, he was a sensational athlete. But I think that is a nice thing to, to, to get back to your own physical body. You know, look what you can do with this body you have. You can condition yourself. And if you ride a lot, you're going to get in better shape, you know, because you're going to be you're going to be stronger. You're going to be quicker. You're going to have more. You're going to be more alert. Still, as an old man today, if I sometimes trip, I don't fall because I still have a, my old center of gravity from riding. You know, it's funny, uh, but that's just a, a, a secondary thing. But just conditioning a horse is, is terrific fun to see them and see them shining and gleaming and, you know, round-bellied, you know, and to see that back, you can't see any ribs. It's all nice, and uh, it makes you feel good, you know, and getting in the hay and everything makes you feel good. And now, a word from Yard Glider, but don't go away. We'll be right back with Don McLean. You know, my Yard Glider is my favorite tool. It makes hauling just about anything around the farm easier. Hay, feed, brush, 
anything. If you haven't seen one of these, Yard Glider is a modern-day stone boat. It loads without lifting, it hauls more, and it dumps faster than a cart. I got my Yard Glider a few months ago, and since then it has helped me move more stuff than I could ever have imagined. I can pull it with the truck or a small riding lawnmower, and I use it every single day. Seriously, every farm and every property should have one. Yard Gliders are made in America, and you can get yours at yardglider.com. Use code HRN and save 10% when you order right now. Now, back to the show. If Don hadn't convinced me by now that he knew horses, this next segment absolutely nailed it. In fact, Jen Hebert, our producer for this episode, and I both think that his last few words here should be on billboards and t-shirts all across the country. One of the things that that I could say is that really, I don't remember, someone said to me, really, I'm a Western rider, the best that I could be, you know, what? The Western Rider, if you see drawings by uh, Will James, for example, in some of his books, you know, it's it's a thin, tall Texan, you know, with a straight up and down look. Um, There's all sorts of things that people do now that I don't like. Um, I like to see a horse's head up, and uh, I don't like his head way down, like below the saddle horn, where they ride there now. I don't like that at all. I don't. I like his head up and I like a rider that sits like an old Western rider. And basically you turn the horse like your carousel pony and that's, and the pole is going right down where it would go through the middle of the, of the uh, carousel horse. So everything turns around your hips and your waist and your legs. You don't jerk his face around. That's the one thing I would, hope that people would learn before they even get on a horse is don't pull his head around, you know, turn your body and, and then urge him around and he'll go around. You know. the, more good, the more good things you do to make him like you, the more he'll welcome your presence, you know, but if you keep doing things he doesn't like, he's going to keep doing things you don't like. And then he gets sent down the road, you know, you know, oh, he's a bad horse, you know. He's not a bad horse. You're an idiot. Toward the end of our time together, Don turned a little bit philosophical, and his deep appreciation of the horse really came through. There's a lot of folk wisdom that is is bred in you know through centuries of people dealing with these animals. Like I say, they built the world. And uh, Churchill said, when we when we ended the horse era, civilization began to decline. And I'm I'm inclined to believe that. Because really great civility in terms of our architecture, our behavior, our literature, our um, just so many aspects of, of living began to decline once the horse was no longer a part of our lives. And of course, now we are, we are so far away from any horse sense in this country because of all this this uh, coming technology, which is coming so fast and people just don't have any plain horse sense. You know, we're asking the dumbest questions uh, on TV. I see, you know, and um, doing the dumbest things. And it just didn't happen when, when that was the era when people had to work and they had 
they knew when the sun came up. They knew about the weather. You know, I mean, like the other day, we were at the ballpark. I was privileged to know Jackie Autry, who is Gene Autry's widow. Oh, my goodness. And she invited me to the ballpark in Anaheim with some friends, and we went out there. And it was a great day. We had we were in the owner's suite watching this marvelous game, and the clouds came over, and they started talking about, well, the game canceled. And I, I looked up, and I knew where the wind was. I said, it's not going to rain. It's going to head over that way. I so enjoyed talking with Don, and I hope you have enjoyed listening to him talk about his love of the horse. But I also wanted to give you the opportunity to see him in concert or to pick up one of his many new projects. Uh, So listen in and hear everything else that he's doing outside of horses. Well, we have, of course, the Paramount Plus documentary which is The Day the Music Died, the story of Don McLean's American Pie. And that has been a a smash hit. Uh, In fact, it was among five uh, MTV Award uh, nominees. We lost to Selena Gomez, but uh, this is a very successful documentary. (coughs) It's coming out on DVD. We have a box set of my first six albums which I made for United Artists, which are coming out on United Artists or Universal. We have a new album called American Boys, which is coming out. And we have a second children's book called Vincent. And that's coming out right as we speak. And then I am on tour. I just got back from 24 shows in Australia and New Zealand over six weeks. I've been home about three weeks and now I start touring and uh in a few weeks i will be in texas stephenville texas which is actually uh cowboy country that's where uh jb money and uh you know some of those heavyweights live i'm sitting there and yeah they do yeah and and, and afterwards i'm going to virginia and like that every weekend i'm here there and everywhere throughout the remainder of the year until i end up in hawaii I've never, ever been asked about horseman, horsemanship or uh, horses or anything. In all these years, I've been being interviewed, and it was a pleasure to talk about them because I could talk about them forever. I love them, and I am fascinated with them and all the things they can do. Unfortunately, that's it for this episode. And you know, we couldn't do this show without the help of a number of people and businesses. Special thanks go to our guest, Mr. Don McLean. Thanks also to Kurt Webster, Scott Sexton, Jeremy Westby, 2011 PR, Mike Mead, Liz Mallard, Hands On Gloves, Yard Glider, Jen Hebert, Glenn Hebert, and of course, the Horse Radio Network, now part of the Equine Network family. Many thanks too to Kenna, Pat, Jennifer, Kate, Mike, Kim, and Mary, all of whom contributed wonderful questions for this episode. If I miss someone, it wasn't intentional, and know that you are thanked as well. And speaking of questions, if you'd like to ask a question of an upcoming celebrity, just hop on over to horseradionetwork.com to see who might be coming on next and to send in your questions. As for me, look for me at lisawysaki.com. That's L-I-S-A W-Y-S-O-C-K-Y dot com. Tune in next time to meet yet another celebrity who loves horses. (laughs) 